Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Tetris, and my guest returning for his second appearance on Gamers on the Go, Pierce Corshane. Yay! I'm so <laughs> happy. Pierce, it's uh, you're in a different spot than, uh, than the last time we recorded. Yeah, I'm in Michigan now. You're in All Michigan, right. I'm in St. Louis. Things have changed. We're, we're adults now. We're adults. Well, we're no, no. adult we're not like. adults. We're not adults. We're adult like. We, we, we have some... adult responsibilities. Yeah, sure, sure. We pay bills. We have uh, apartments. We we go to jobs every day. Yep. Um, but I don't. It's so sucking this adult life. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Tetris today, and Tetris. I don't. It doesn't seem like a game. When I started Gamers on the Go, it doesn't seem like a game that I should be able to talk about because it's not right. its not originally a handheld game like I've kind of specified that I'd like to talk about. Uh, it started out uh, its life on an Electronica 60, uh, which is a Russian computer. Um, now, for your, for your listeners that are crying foul right now, uh-huh. let them know that I badgered you into this episode. <laughs> and it's been a... Like months long pursued. Uh, a little bit. I mean, you've you've mentioned that you'd come back on to do a Tetris episode, and and to be fair, Tetris wasn't really Tetris until the Game Boy, right? right. And the Game Boy wasn't really the Game Boy until Tetris. So yeah, absolutely symbiotic relationship that's going on there. Um, but I think I think the Game Boy version of Tetris is a, is enough of a cultural touchstone. It's enough its own thing that it deserves it deserves to be recognized and it deserves a, an episode itself. So if anybody wants to to get on my case about it, go right ahead. But I, I think this is a pretty deserving title, uh, despite... I agree. Despite I will defend you for that. <laughs> of course you'll defend me. You're the one who <laughs> wanted this episode. <laughs> I'll let you take all of the bullets, but uh, I will say, yeah, I agree with them. What a, what a sweetheart. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's try to get through some of this history stuff. I actually think uh, the history of Tetris is almost more interesting than the game itself because uh, there's bollocks. <laughs> Do what? I bought, I cry foul at oh, that statement. Okay, that sure, um, but we'll we'll try it anyway. Okay. Um, so the game was first created for an Electronica sixty, like I said, a Russian computer, on June sixth, nineteen eighty four. Uh, it was created by uh, a Russian, um, I'm trying, I, would you call him scientist? I don't know. He worked at the uh, the Soviet Academy of Sciences in Moscow, so I guess you could call him a, maybe. a, a, a person maybe. that wears a white coat. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> um, but he, uh, a guy named Alexei Pajitnov, and, uh, and he just kind of created this game. Uh, he really liked uh, Tetrominoes, which was this uh, little game uh, where kind of like tangrams almost where it's just a it's a box it's a little rectangle and you have all these different little geometric pieces that you need to fill into the box to make the full shape um but you know there there's only a few specific ways of doing it maybe only one i, I don't really know tetromino's that much but 
um, he liked this idea. He kind of wanted to make a virtual port for uh, for the uh, computers while he was, I guess he just had some free time. Uh, maybe Russia wasn't doing anything important at that time. I don't know. In the 80s? Yeah, in the 80s. Nobody nobody was doing nothing, anything nothing important, right? There. Nope. <laughs> um, so he just kind of created this little game. And he changed it a little bit, and and it ended up being uh, more or less what we know as as Tetris today. Uh, There haven't really been that many uh, tweaks to it in terms of the game we know for the Game Boy version. They've tried. (laughs) Yeah, there have been been many uh, different variations on Tetris, and we'll definitely get into that. Uh, But uh, he started this, so it's only on the Electronica 60, uh, he has a colleague named, and I'm going to totally butcher this, uh, his name is Vadim uh, Jarisimov. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, a, I have a friend who speaks Russian, and if she listens to this show, which I assure you she will not, <laughs> um, she would probably tear me a new one on how bad anything approaching Russian pronunciation uh, would be. That we should really worry about maybe there are Russians that listen to the show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And now they are no longer listening. <laughs> right. They were just waiting for the Tetris podcast. Like, oh, they have, I God, knew it. I knew he was going to butcher that name, and then just I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gerasimov he uh, he created the uh, MS DOS port, uh, brought it to IBM PCs, uh, and that's kind of the thing that got spread around to uh, to different people in Russia. And so the game is kind of becoming popular pretty locally still. It's getting spread around the, the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Um, that's in Moscow. And then uh, it's, it's starting to spread a little further. And then it ends up getting uh, to um, Hungary. Let me check my notes here a little All bit places. more. Um, so, um, oh, I'm, I'm skipping ahead just a little bit. Uh, Pajanov was actually the one who, who named it Tetris. And he named it Tetris. One, it's kind of easy to see with Tetrominoes. He, he pulled a little bit of that. But also his favorite sport, uh, at least at that time, was tennis. So he just took the IS off of that and, and threw it on Tetrominoes. And not the most like creative guy. No, not not really. And the game really has nothing to do with tennis at all. It's just, that I guess, that it sounded good. Um, in any case, uh, so Gerasimov ports it to the IBM PC. It quickly spreads throughout Russia. Uh, it gets to Hungary. And then there's a British software house, and it's called Andromeda, and they uh, they kind of discover it, and they attempt to secure the PC rights from Pagetnov. Because it seems like an awesome game. They're playing it. They're hooked. They want to get it. So they're talking to Pagetnov. Uh, before they secure the rights from Pagetnov, though, they sell the rights that they don't have, that they haven't secured yet. They decide to sell them anyway to another company called Spectrum Holobyte. Um, and then uh, the deal with Pagetnov fell through. So this is becoming more Russian as we speak. Oh yeah, it's just it's super ass backwards at this point. Uh, nobody knows kind of where the rights are going at all. Uh, Spectrum is creating their own, or Spectrum Holobyte uh, creates their own PC version, uh, and this is this one has some Russian imagery in it. Uh, it, uh, it takes place in space, uh, and you can kind of see this astronaut to one side of the field, uh, just kind of in the, this background image, and then you can see this nice, uh, pretty space shot uh, behind where you're actually bringing down your Tetris blocks. Uh, and that came out uh, in the U.S. This is the first U.S. version. That came out in 1987. 
So Andromeda, and this is the British software house, uh, they uh, kind of uncertainly obtain the rights, uh, or they're, they're still claiming they have these rights that they never actually got from Pajitnov. And, uh, and they're decided that they can make the home computer versions of this game. Uh, in 1998, though, or 1988, the uh, the Soviet government they've discovered this whole thing about Tetris, and I get the way the way Russian law works is different than American law, uh, especially during the USSR period, uh, where there isn't really a thing as intellectual property rights in Russia. They they didn't even understand that to be possible, and certainly nobody in the the Soviet uh, Soviets thought that one person could own intellectual right. property that that belongs Communist to the state, yeah, yeah, as of everything. Um, so now the Soviet government they're kind of marketing the rights around to Tetris uh, because they just kind of get them from Pajitnov saying, "Well, you know, communism, man, you 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 live it, so that's what you got to do." Um, so the rights are all over the place. Uh, there's a guy named Hank Rogers, and it's spelled H-E-N-K. And then R O G E R S because uh, this guy doesn't want to have any sort of normative name, or he wants people to be able to Google him. I guess so. Point. Yeah, he's the only Hank Rogers you'll find. I'm pretty sure. Um, so he plays this game. Uh, he plays the Spectrum Holobyte version, the uh, the one that came out in 1987 with all the space stuff behind it. Uh, he plays that at a consumer electronics show. In, uh, in 1988. So he bugs Spectrum Holobyte about it, and I guess they might send him to Andromeda. In any case, he uh, gets the rights to the game. So he decides to go meet with Nintendo of America, and he meets the, uh, the Nintendo of America head, uh, Minoru Arakawa, and he suggests, hey, you know, this game is cool, this game Tetris here, you should pack it in with the Game Boy that you're about to release. And Arakawa is saying, hey, man, I think we know what we're doing here. We launched the NES. We put Super Mario Brothers on it. Everything went great. We're going to put Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, and we're just going to follow suit. Everything's going to be awesome. And and Rogers you know, tells him, you know, Super Mario Land, that's going to get the young boys that you already have for the NES. Uh, that's going to get that audience that, that you already have. But... If you put in Tetris, that's going to have a much wider appeal. You're going to get everybody. And which is which is baffling at that point when video games are still viewed as like this child's toy. Certainly. Especially the Game Boy. It's not the Game Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and this is something that, you know, video games at this point had kind of come and gone uh, with uh, the arcades going on and then Atari and then the video game crash of 85. And Nintendo's just kind of bringing it back. So it's still relatively uh, like in its infant stages. And uh, it's it's weird to think that there could be another big outbreak because uh, the NES was kind of an anomaly itself, even though it still only grabbed so much of an audience that uh, who knew what the Game Boy was going to do. Um, so Rogers ends up uh, convincing Nintendo that this is going to be a great thing. So... They say, all right, get, get all the rights we need. You, you kind of take care of it. You're going to get this done. Um, it ends up that everybody who'd claimed they had the rights, no, nobody had the rights. <laughs> None of them. Um, because Russia's still back there going, no, 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 guys. Uh, they're, they're ours and communism and everything. Pajitnov can't get shit. 
So um, now there are kind of two entities that are going after these rights. One is Hank Rogers, uh, who's who's went to Russia and met with some people and, and came back. And then the other one, uh, I forgot his name. I didn't write it down. But uh, he had gone to Russia as well later and was talking to them. And I guess they uh, had sent him a message, either by phone or by mail, um, that said, you know, hey, um, you can have the rights, but you need to tell us right now whether you want them. And since he's in Russia, he didn't get that message. So Rogers ends up with the rights, um, with all the rights that matter, at least. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so just kind of a right place, right time thing. And... Uh, and so now uh, you have Tetris that comes to the Game Boy uh, in 1989, and then it comes to the NES uh, a couple months later. Uh, but the Game Boy version is really the one that you're that we that we all know and love. Um, and and that's kind of how we get to the Game Boy here. So Pierce, uh, why don't I shut up for a little bit and let you talk a little sure. bit about Tetris, te- what it kind of means to you, um, and anything if you just want to set up. If anybody out there hasn't played Tetris, I'm sure yeah. Pierce so, will give you a small introductory course on what it is. I'd be happy to. Okay. So you have these different shaped blocks that are falling from the sky, and you need to arrange them so that they fill one line on the screen. And the more that you fill up, they disappear every time you fill up a line. And the more that you fill up, the more points you get. And eventually you progress where the speed increases and it, it gets more difficult. Is that accurate, Chase? I would I would agree with that statement. <laughs> okay. So the first time I played it was um, actually through a friend's parent. They like their kid had a Game Boy and they had heard about Tetris in some capacity and bought the game for themselves. And I remember very distinctly picking up the Game Boy and actually being handed to it, handed the Game Boy from this parent and playing it initially. And realizing how fucking hard it was. <laughs> and when you're like you're five or six and you're you're trying to play Tetris and you're used to like very like shiny and pretty graphics, or at least to you at that point, um, Tetris is kind of boring and it's addicting and it's it's definitely like a type of fun, but it's it's difficult because you need to have dexterity and you also need to have like this cognition where you can kind of plan ahead. And to be honest, I hated the game at first, and I hated it for a good chunk of my childhood, and it wasn't until I was, like, in middle school or something like that, and we started playing, like, I guess, like, ROM versions on our, like, TI-83s, mm-hmm. and that's when I got into it, just out of, like, you know, boredom, and you're at school, and you don't really have anything else to do, and I wanted to be at home playing games anyway, and I started really getting into Tetris, and I really, I started to see just how brilliant the game was. And it is very simple, but it's like one of those games that's easy for anyone to learn, but hard to master. And to me, that's why I'm still playing it to this day. And it's like a bike game and you can pick it up and you're still pretty good at it. If you, if you've practiced before, right. You but, might need to knock the rust off a little bit, but you're right. getting into it within like two or three games. Right. Exactly. And that's, I mean, when I was preparing for this, I was playing and I was like, Okay, well, I'm not as good as I once was, but I could see myself getting there. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I picked up Tetris a lot later than you did. Um, I I didn't even... I got a Game Boy used at a pawn shop 
Um, and it was one of the, the black ones from the Play It Loud series. So I, I didn't have a Game Boy for, uh, you know, certainly not when it first came out. Uh, yeah. And, and mine was just kind of this uh, pawn shop hand-me-down almost. So I it didn't come with Tetris. Uh, so the games I got for it was Mega Man 5 and... Shit, I can't even remember the other game I got for it. But um, these are... It, character action games and I had played NES and that was that was my game console so the things I had been playing were Mario and Duck Hunt and I didn't really know what a puzzle game was in terms of a video game at least um, and Tetris just never seemed to appeal to me and the first time I played it was probably my cousin's copy because uh, he he had a Game Boy 2 and and he brought uh, over Super Mario Land 2 and Tetris, and I played a shit ton more Super Mario Land 2 than I did Tetris, but I definitely <laughs> did play some Tetris, and, you know, I, I had a similar feeling of you. I was like, oh, this is an interesting game. Uh, it's it's not my favorite. It's kind of hard. Uh, it's kind of quick. Uh, I want to feel more of a sense of accomplishment, and I went back to Mario where I can beat a level and hear a bell ring, and everything was great. So I didn't play a whole lot of Tetris, um, and then just kind of growing up, I knew what it was. I knew that I'd played it. Uh, I understood the music. We'll get into the music in a second. But uh, it was just kind of something I knew about, but not something I really cared about. I just, that's interesting because even like, okay, so now everyone does know it. Mm-hmm. But when you do explain it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a fun game. And even when you see it, it doesn't look like something that you want to play. Right. And so you almost you almost have to have someone put it in your hands and be like, just play it for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you're saying, hey, arrange these blocks. That doesn't sound like a super right. thing. But uh, when you get into it, then that's that's where you kind of get the addiction to it. Um, but yeah, like you, uh, I didn't immediately take to it. And it actually wasn't until college for me. It was my freshman year of college where uh, a couple of uh, girls who weren't paying attention to their lecture um, who sat in front of me and were some of my friends at that point, uh, they just they weren't paying attention to this lecture, and they were playing Tetris through Facebook. Uh, through Tetris Friends was the name of it. And, uh, and they were like, I just say, why? You guys are playing games during, during lecture? Yeah, absolutely. What? We're going to pay attention to that guy? And... Uh, and then I, I guess they challenged me to it. Like, are you any good at it? <laughs> Come on, I play video games all the time. Of course, this is of your course I am good at Tetris. You just challenged me to a video game, and uh, and I have to say they schooled me at the beginning. Uh, Tetris friends, um, we're going to talk. Uh, I'm going to keep just telling you all the things that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we're never actually going. To talk. <laughs> no, we'll never get there. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, ports and ripoffs and, and sequels and, and other uh, different copies of Tetris uh, later, way later in the show. But uh, this specific one, Tetris Friends, had leaderboards through Facebook. So you could see how much better these girls were doing than I was. Uh, and I couldn't have that, being the video game guy in college. So I played a shit ton of Tetris uh, for a, a while. I would get back this, to lectures. This was your chief motivation. Yeah, it was, well, not just to beat them, but then it got to everybody on my friends list, and there were actually a decent amount who were playing, and some of them were getting some really high scores, and that fed into the addiction that I wanted to be 
the leader of all my friends. And, and it's one of the only games that's gotten me with leaderboards like that. But uh, that's when I started playing a lot. And, and I got really good. And I eventually did get to the top of the leaderboard for a while. And then somebody just got a ridiculous score and, and I could never top it. Uh, anyway, that's like my, my actual time with Tetris is, is super late. Yeah. I understand, I understand the game. I think the Game Boy version, we'll talk about our, again, something else we'll talk about later, our favorite versions of Tetris. The Game Boy one is, is definitely up there for one of my favorite versions, but uh, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't the one I got caught on. Um, so just kind of, kind of interesting history with Tetris for, for both of us. Well, I'm sure many people just picked it up in, in, uh, when the Game Boy came out in 1989 and, and just played the shit out of it, like, millions and millions of people did um, right i think i didn't see i didn't see exactly um what the tally was or i can't remember i think it was something like 35 million copies of the game boy version alone have been sold that that might be high maybe it's maybe it's all versions i don't know. <laughs> i i did a lot of research but i forgot to research some parts of it we can tell these gullible listeners anything <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, anyway, uh, let's let's get on to that music. Let's talk about some of the things we said we were going to talk about. Uh, so Tetris, pretty famous for its for one specific tune, uh, and that tune uh, will be Type A for the uh, for the Game Boy. There there were three uh, background tracks you could choose from. Uh, type A is based on a Russian folk song called, and again I'm going to butcher this, uh, the Korobeniki, uh, and uh, it, it's just kind of a, a modified version of that by uh, by Nintendo's uh, Hirokaku uh, Hirokaru uh, Tanaka, and Tanaka you might remember from games like Super Mario Land. He did the soundtrack for that, uh, and we've talked about him before on the show. Uh, he also did Earthbound and Metroid. Uh, he's he's a well known uh, Nintendo uh, soundtrack guy, and now I believe he heads uh, one of their divisions maybe creatures i want to say i I could be wrong anyway uh so he he made type a based on that russian folk song type b is just kind of an upbeat original track type c is an arranged version of johann sebastian Bach's uh french suite number three in b minor and i read that completely off a piece of paper because i would totally not remember that it was it was necessary information (laughs) yeah definitely uh, so that's your a little bit of trivia for the day. Um, the Game Boy's link cable allowed you allowed people to go head to head locally for uh, for Tetris here, um, and I, I believe it was the first game being being the game that got packaged with the Game Boy uh, that you could play multiplayer with. Um, have you ever played a game of Tetris in any version uh, multiplayer? Um, I played some like PC version. And I thought I was Tetris Attack, mm-hmm. um, but it was just like a like a flash version, I guess, on some website where you competed against like three other people, mm-hmm. and you could you had like the power to like shoot over blocks to them and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I have not played that version, but that sounds like something that would be a thing. It was like it was awesome, but. Was it, it, do you remember if so, it was official or not? Maybe it was the Facebook. I, it, it might not have been official. Okay. And I, I remember like very distinctly going to some like sketchy website to play it. <laughs> okay. Then probably it, not official. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and 
there was like I just remember getting my ass kicked and Tetris is one of those games where not to get too philosophical but you're really competing against yourself and yeah, it's like this it's never ending goal just to, to be a little bit better right and, and I it's even, a continuum yeah I, I don't even know how the multiplayer in the Game Boy version would be like would you just play with the same pieces and just whoever dies first is just loses because I mean, yeah. at this point there's no there are no power ups there's no dropping extra blocks on your opponent that it, you just keep playing so it's still really just a game against yourself at that point right. but there's just another person who's also playing against themselves and I don't know playing against yourselves in the same room <laughs> that's pretty <Yes>. philosophical <laughs> um, what does it mean Chase. So I'm not going to remember all the specifics on this either, but uh, the Game Boy version of Tetris wasn't able to save scores. I don't; it didn't have a battery in it like uh, later Game Boy games did. So you probably have to take a photo or something of your of your score to keep it uh, and send them into Nintendo Power or whatever you did at that point. Um, there would be another version called Tetris DX that would come out uh, near the beginning, maybe actually a launch game for the Game Boy Color, and uh, and that would have a color version of Tetris. It was one of the uh, black cartridges, though, that would also work in a Game Boy. It was backwards compatible that way. Um, and that one had a battery, so you could keep your scores. I, I think it added an extra digit to your scores uh, so that you could get up to uh, I, maybe the trillions instead of just the billions. I don't, I don't remember. Um but that seemed like that was, at that time, a pretty definitive version of Tetris and, and sold really well, uh, although it wasn't packaged in like the Game Boy version, so it didn't sell nearly as well as that one did. Um, but, uh, oh, I, I guess I have some more written here about Tetris DX. Uh, so it had the battery-saved high scores. Uh, you could have three different player profiles on it, so you could... Have your little brother have a have a his own save that has his own scores on it. Uh, there was uh, one player versus the CPU mode, which was you know the same thing as playing multiplayer, except one of them is the computer, which seems really dumb. Uh, Why? What? Case. Go ahead. Why? Why do you think it's dumb? Why do I think it's dumb? Because you're playing against the computer anyway. So, so this well, yeah. is just a way of having an end game instead of just going down an endless mode, I suppose. Yeah, I guess you could take it like that. It still seems dumb. Uh, and then it also added a couple different modes. There was ultra mode where you tried to score as many points as you could in three minutes. And then there was also a, a 40 lines mode where uh, you had to clear 40 lines uh, as fast as possible. And then it would keep a time and not a score. And, and those would be modes that I've seen in multiple versions of Tetris. I know there were uh, those modes in that Facebook version that I played. But I was always an endless guy. That, that's, that's Tetris to me. And, and go bigger, go see why you play. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not playing the right way, then what are you doing? Um, let's, uh, let's get back a little bit to Pagetnov and what happened to him. Uh, he makes he makes Tetris. Tetris kind of gets taken from him by by Russia. It spreads everywhere. He doesn't really receive any money for this at all. Uh, he's definitely not compensated by the Russian government. And, so uh, it's so Russian. Yeah. it's like the most Russian thing that could happen to him. So uh, and he you know he gets a little capitalistic in his in his uh, 
philosophy and he goes you know what fuck it uh i made this cool game everybody seems to be making money off it except for me i'm gonna get out of russia uh and he comes to the u.s and he forms the uh the tetris company with hank rogers and uh and they kind of end up getting all the licenses to tetris and now that that company's still around today you can go i think it's tetris.com and it looks really gross and that they're just selling all this merchandise that's oh, themed. I'm going to search it right now. Yeah, go ahead. There's like a watch that you can get that has Tetris blocks on it. There's a uh, like a Connect Four or style board game where you drop Tetris blocks. That's oh man, weird. it just it feels really commercial and odd and. It's like those, I mean, it's very much like those Atari games where you can just plug them into your TV. The kind of, yeah, kind of, <laughs> that they kind sell of, like late night on TV. Yeah, that really shady shit that's just, you know, hey, we, we got this license, let's scrounge around and see what we can do with it and see if we can make a little bit of money. Um, I, I'm sure it's a little bit more on the up and up than that, uh, but... I, I would assume that most of the money they get is through licensing it for real games or yeah, for, so. for real ports. Um, so Pagenov, he makes, he starts the Tetris company with Hank Rogers. Uh, he also begins working for Microsoft in 1996 and, uh, he creates the game Hexic. And if you own an Xbox 360, yep. uh, that had a hard drive in it, part of the premium edition, you got Hexic HD for free, which was just a, a slightly nicer looking version of Hexic. Um, I remember playing a Hexic when the Xbox 360 first came out. I did not know it was made by the same guy who made Tetris. I'm sure they, like, I'm sure they just talked about that all the time, and I just missed yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was the only reason why I played Hexic. It's like really? I should, I should like this game because <laughs> I love Tetris. Yeah, and Hexic is not fun. Uh, it was no, I, I didn't like the mechanics. I it it seemed just a little too harsh. Um, I think if it was, I think if it was a little closer to something like Bejeweled in the way where things would just switch instead of having these kind of gear rotating things that just made it made finding patterns and then finding uh, combos really difficult and yeah. I could just never get into it and I my scores paled in comparison to people much who slower are much smarter than I was yeah and it was definitely a slower game too um so. Uh, and then Hank Rogers, as we know, he's he's kind of just completely profiteering off Tetris. Uh, he made a boatload of money uh, through Nintendo and getting copies for, for every single Game Boy. And I think he's just kind of being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur right now. And, and Tetris is still a, a big source of income, but he's going around and, and looking for other games. Uh, like he's that. just, he's swimming in his room full of gold coins. Like yeah. screw duck. He's, he's just Hank being Hank at that point. Um, any other, any other stories about Game Boy Tetris before we, before we completely move on and talk about sequels and things? I don't think so, because Game Boy Tetris came very early in our lives. Right. So the, the Tetris that we grew up playing is a little different. So go on. Okay. Uh, well, let me ask you before we jump into all of the different, uh, variants here. Have you ever played any other Tetris games uh, save for that one uh, shady Flash one and the uh, Game Boy version. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, like I said, I played like um, some kind of ROM on my uh, 
whatever it's called, TI-83 or TI-82 or something. Right. Gotcha. Um, and then other than that, I, th- I played Tetris Stack and just a lot of shady Flash versions. It's really <laughs> easy to rip off Tetris. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, I, let, let's talk a little bit about Tetris Attack since, uh, since that's one you've played. Uh, Hank Rogers, uh, we've mentioned him a couple times now. Uh, he has said that he really uh, regrets giving the license of Tetris to Nintendo to make Tetris Attack because it's not a Tetris game. It's, it's not. It's nothing like Tetris. In fact, uh, after the first one, and Hank Rogers presumably just said, no, you can't use the Tetris name in it because this is an abomination to what Tetris is, uh, Nintendo went off and said, okay, forget it. We'll call this Puzzle League, and it'll be a new franchise for us. A really popular franchise that right. made it lots out. of money. Um, they made a Pokemon version that was super uh, super profitable because uh, anything Pokemon is profitable. Um, and and so, yeah, it's a completely different thing with completely different mechanics. Uh, I've actually never played any Tetris Attack-style game, so I don't even know what this game is other than not Tetris. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm trying to like kind of recall how it works, but I think that was one of my big hang-ups is I didn't know what to do. So you got like these different squares that have different shapes on them and different colors, and you have to match them in a certain way kind of to remove them like Tetris. And it's set up just like Tetris. It has a rectangle in the center. It's got your score on your right or like like time or level and, and stuff like that. And so you you go into it and you think it's going to be Tetris. But it's not. It's, like, just an abomination, like you said. Well, I don't know if that... I, I don't know if it... I mean, I guess... It's an abomination when you compare it to Tetris. I, I said it. I understand that. No, there, there, I have no argument with that. But when you're when you're saying that it feels like Tetris and just that it has, you know, the play field and a rectangle in the middle and there's a score on the right side, maybe Tetris uh, was the one that inspired all of that. But that's almost all puzzle games. Yeah, that's like, playing playing Doctor Mario, playing Yoshi for the NES, playing so many other puzzle style games. That's just the way a lot of them are set up. And you know, honestly, it probably is because of Tetris. But I, I don't know if you can say that's a definitively Tetris uh, look. But, but when you slap the name Tetris, oh, on absolutely, the box. That's yeah. when you like cross the line. That's that's almost just false marketing at that point. Right. It really is actually. Um, let's let's get into some other versions. I played a lot of different versions of Tetris, uh, but they were all in preparation for this show. Um, I didn't play many versions of Tetris. Uh, my favorite puzzle game is Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which is really just Poyo Pop. And it's like no one's favorite puzzle game except for yours. <laughs> and it's only my favorite. I like Poyo Pop. I think Poyo Pop is a really cool uh, puzzle game. Uh, and the only reason I like Mean Bean Machine is because I think the music in that one is really badass. And uh, and I like Sonic stuff. So that's how that works out. I also really like Super Puzzle Fighter, um, even though I'm not very good at it. And then, uh, and then games like uh, Meteos, which uh, we've done an episode on too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this isn't this isn't here to talk about all the puzzle games I like. It's talking about Tetris. Uh, so let's talk first about the very official sequel to Tetris. Official in that it was made by Alexei Pajitnov uh, right after he made Tetris, or at least after it was popular enough. Uh, maybe he was uh, trying to, to get some of that money that he definitely wasn't getting from Tetris. 
Uh, so we created another game called Weltris, W-E-L-L-T-R-I-S, um, a direct sequel. It's actually a 3D version of Tetris, uh, a modified version of Tetris. Uh, it feels more like Tetrominoes, uh, in fact, where the, the pieces are coming from the front of the screen, uh, and then they're dropping perspective-wise uh, back. Like the Z axis, so they're they're dropping back into the TV, um, where there will be shapes. So it's almost like looking at the Tetris field from above, but it's it's a 3D space where your um, your blocks are just moving down into things, and you're trying to fill the shapes. Uh, I I haven't played it. Um, I it came out for a variety of PCs, and I'm, I'm sure it probably came to other some consoles too, maybe the NES Famicom, but. Uh, I, I didn't play it, uh, but it's very—it's actually a lot closer to uh, to Tetromino's and probably a, probably a little bit more faithful uh, than Pajitnov, being that that was a game that he really liked. Um, I'm just going to kind of jump around different ones here. Um, there's uh, the new Tetris, which came out for the Nintendo 64. Uh, it brought in. Um, these, this kind of gold and silver block mechanic, where if you if you lined up uh, four pieces together. Uh, I haven't played it, so it's really hard for me to explain, not actually having seen it. Uh, but you, you line up different pieces together, and when they align, they'll turn into these gold or silver blocks. I think gold is when they're all of the same color, uh, and then silver is when they're made up of different colors. But, um, but those blocks are then worth more points when you clear them as part of a line. So it's, it's a way of getting some extra points out of the deal. Um, Tetris for the Game Boy uh, has it, it'll always show you what the next piece will be. Uh, Tetris, the new Tetris, uh, showed you what the next three upcoming pieces were, so that helped it be a little bit more easy. And then the thing that kind of really changed things was this idea of a storage feature, where you can save a block uh, using, I believe it was left, uh, the left uh, trigger, the left bumper. And uh, but you, you know, you're just going to save the long skinny one. What? The long oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you meant the the L trigger. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I uh, guess it's I guess it's a long skinny trigger. <laughs> I call it the L button, but all right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You save you save the the four by one, and then you uh, you bring that out when you can make a Tetris, uh, which is clearing four lines at once. And uh, yeah, that's what you do. That's that's the smart thing. And if you got into trouble, yeah, you can you can throw away one of those. Or not throw away, but you can store one of those S pieces that you know are so um, uh, situational, and maybe get a square or something else that that might be more helpful at the time. Uh, so yeah, this made it a lot easier, and actually, it was even made more easy by things like uh, more flexible rotations. And the original Tetris and the Tetris for Game Boy, um, you couldn't if you couldn't if you were up against a wall, you couldn't spin a block because that physically wouldn't be able to happen. Because uh, the idea is that it would, it would go out of the play field if you were spinning it like that. But with this one, they let you kind of spin things kind of no matter what, <laughs> almost. Uh, you could do some somewhat, um, somewhat impossible things where um, you could get under a piece and, and turn it and slip it in where you probably shouldn't have been able to do that um, in the terms of 
how Tetris is supposed to work. Things, different things with gravity, different things with rotations. Uh, this idea of, of wall kicks, which is kind of what I explained before. Um, and those spin moves that were impossible were actually given more a bigger point value. So by doing these things that are totally against what you would imagine would be Tetris, uh, you're, you're getting rewarded for it. So it's kind of like style points. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, that, that you could just do these things that you shouldn't be able to, and then you get more points out of the deal. So it was, it was a much easier version of Tetris, and you could definitely get bigger scores. Uh, I don't know how well it did uh, at the market, um, but I know, I know I didn't play any Tetris-style games on the Nintendo 64. That seemed that... like a waste of power. Oh, geez. Well, now that I'm looking at it, now that you're talking about it, actually, I have played this, but I've only played it a couple times at, like, friends' houses. Okay. And I think at the time, this was before I, like, got back into it in middle school or high school, it it definitely, it's like a softcore version for new users to come in and, and mm-hmm. play it. Certainly. There's a place for that. Yeah, absolutely, and there there are actually lots of really good uh, Tetris games that uh, will have beginner modes and things like that, and and there are definitely some that I have written here. There's a there's a game called Tetris Worlds uh, that I don't like. I don't like it at all because uh, it seems yeah. like the same premise as Medios, where they try to give they try to give Tetris a story, and there are two different types of alien creatures. One of one of which is called the Tetras or the Tetrans and <laughs> other ones are called the Minos. So you put them together and they're Tetraminos. Oh, I get it. Yeah, isn't that cute? Um, so you'd have to go to different planets and play Tetris and win a it's Tetris. It's the universal because, language. Yeah, because that makes... I don't know. It seems so stupid. And, and Medios is stupid too, but I don't know. You don't you don't take the name of Tetris like that and do something stupid. Um, We're just upset with games not living up to the Tetris name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so in my notes here, I have added some BS story mode, uh, added a bunch of modes that sound boring, uh, also added an easy spin that only uh, locked a piece in place when the player was satisfied. And that is heresy. What is that? No, really. That is, that is saying that... The pieces won't lock in. Like, when you're playing Tetris and something falls to the bottom and gets to the bottom and stops, like you might have, you know, what is it, like a quarter of a second, half a second to move that around a little bit, and it changes uh, depending on the speed of the game, uh, just to, like, line something up or to slip something in when it gets to the bottom. In this game, apparently, once it gets down to the bottom of wherever it's going... You can keep moving it from side to side and spin it around as many times as you want, and then I guess you hit a button that says, "Okay, you know what? I'm I'm happy with it here." So, but you can't move it back up, right? You can't move it back up. So the only difficulty is where it falls. Yeah, it takes out half the difficulty of Tetris. <laughs> that is awful. Uh, and Tetris Worlds came out for everything. It came out for, uh, it was a launch game for the Xbox, it came out for PS2, it came out for GameCube, uh, Game Boy Advance, and PC. At that time, everything. Uh, and, and, and fuck Tetris Worlds. Um, <laughs> going back a bit, uh, there's Tetris 2, uh, which 
you know, you it's not really the official sequel to Tetris, because uh, that was Weltris, but uh, somebody made a Tetris 2, I guess. Um, Tetris 2, I played for the first time uh, today, and uh, that that's just Dr. Mario. It, it really is just Dr. Mario. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it came out after Dr. Mario did. Uh, there really isn't any difference. Uh, there are different colored uh, balls, and you drop down Tetris pieces that have different colors in them, almost like they were two different colored pills from Dr. Mario, uh, except these will have a slightly crazier shapes, and, and some of them will look like Tetrominoes. Some of them actually have multiple pieces so when you set one down other pieces will continue to fall because they aren't actually attached to the original piece uh it's it's not tetris at all except that pieces fall from the top and some of them kind of look like tetrominoes um okay so all i mean it's the same premise of dr mario you're supposed to line up three of the same color on well you're supposed to line up two of the same color on one of the dots, uh, and to, to destroy all of the dots, or viruses, if you will. Um, and then once you clear all the dots slash viruses, you will move on to the next level. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really gross in how much of a ripoff it is of Dr. Mario. What I'm getting from this uh, part of the segment is that we just really don't like any other games other than the original Tetris. I, I'm not going to agree, because we haven't talked about Tetris Friends yet. Oh, jeez. All right. There, there, are, there are games of Tetris that I kind of like. Uh, just we haven't gotten to any of them yet. Uh, we talked about Tetris, Tetris Attack. Um, Tetris Battle Gaiden is a game that only came out in Japan for the SNES. Uh, it was a puzzle battle version of Tetris where you could get power-ups. It's very similar to something like Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo in, in that you... Uh, the the power-ups that you get, uh, the, uh, the way... the success that you have turns into uh, the detriment of your opponent. Uh, it's actually very much like Poyo Pop 2 in that uh, it would just drop blocks and, and screw up the way your opponent played. Uh, and it seems like a really cool version of Tetris that we just never got. Um, there's a game called Tetris Blast that came out for the Game Boy. Um, there would be creatures that would traverse the screen, um, and you would try to smash them with blocks, with Tetris blocks. I mean, this was very close to what Tetris was. It just seemed like there were little creatures moving around, and some of the pieces you had um, would have uh, bombs on them. Part of the piece would be a bomb. Part of one of the blocks, one of the four blocks, or two of the four blocks would just uh, be these explosives. And when you lined up a line, the explosives would go off, and they would destroy pieces. And you could uh, put the pieces together in such a way to make a bigger bomb if you had four uh, of those explosives put together in a square, in a four by four square. Uh, that they would become a bigger bomb, and then that is something that would blow up even more, exponentially more, of the screen. So the idea was to kill the creatures and then to destroy all the other blocks on the screen, uh, and that's how you would beat a level. And I played some of that today, uh, getting ready for it, and it's a really fun game. It doesn't... It's it's not Tetris, or it feels like just a slightly different variation of Tetris where it, it just adds... 
this kind of unnecessary feature. Because if I'm playing this game, all I really want to do is just play Tetris. I don't care about the game, the, the uh, extra side game they have on it, too. But uh, it's at least a very functional game, and, and it was somewhat fun, if not, uh, if not what you want out of Tetris. Right. Uh, Tetris DS came out for, uh, you guessed, the Nintendo DS. It features a 10-player uh, mode where you can locally play against 10 other, or against 9 other people. Uh, and you can do that all from one cart. Uh, you just have the one game card in, in one DS, and then everybody else can uh, download it, use the download play feature, which was a really cool feature of the of the Nintendo DS that didn't get enough play. Um, I, I never played one of these crazy modes. I did have Tetris DS, and it was a it's a fun way of playing Tetris. Um, it had a mission mode where there were specific objectives. Um, there was a competitive push mode where whenever you cleared a line, it pushed the opponent's... It, it pushed, like, a, a, a block down for the opponent's play field, so it would it would shorten their space. Uh, and that was just kind of a, a tug-of-war match that way. There was a catch mode where you uh, controlled a one-by-one block, and then you had to catch other pieces as they were falling down. And you had to catch them in such a way where they could make lines to clear those lines that way, uh, which is a really weird way of playing Tetris, but an interesting one. Um, there would be, uh, and actually in the catch mode, um, you would direct those pieces into uh, Metroid enemies. All of these games, all of these variations of Tetris, uh, because this was made by Nintendo, I think it was actually supposed to be made by THQ, and they kind of backed out last minute. So Nintendo said, well, fuck it, we'll just make this Tetris game. And How different? How different would the world be if THQ didn't make it? Um, they, I mean, it wouldn't set the world on fire. Uh, I don't no. think Tetris DS did either, but uh, I'm sure it wouldn't have sold nearly as much because, one, you get the name Tetris in there, and two, Tetris DS was just filled with uh, Nintendo characters. So you had Metroids, you had Donkey Kong, there's Mario level, there's a Zelda level. Uh, and it was mainly just skins, but... That that adds that equity. It adds that Smash Brothers style equity of hey, you're getting all your Nintendo franchises in one game, um, which they was... could feel the need to do with everything. Huh? Chase, say it again. I feel. It. Never mind. <laughs> you can cut that part out. <laughs> all right, fantastic. Uh, I probably won't. I probably won't. <laughs> Uh, there was a touch mode. We just like fumble on Skype for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. It's part of the show. It's part of the charm. Uh, we're we're indie that way. Um, there was a, a touch mode that had static uh, tetrominoes, and you could slide those around with the stylus, getting getting some of that touch screen action in there with the with the DS. And then there was a puzzle mode that featured uh, no time limit, but players uh, you had to choose the pieces and the orientation, and then fill it in fill in uh, gaps in, in these puzzles, very much like the original Tetromino's uh, uh, physical game. So that's... Uh, Tetris DS at that time seemed to be the de facto way of playing Tetris. Um, it Unlike Tetris Blast that had this one weird way of playing, uh, this had a bunch of weird ways of playing, but it had the regular Tetris that you you wanted. Um, so I'm I'm okay with Tetris DS. Tetris DS is an okay game. Uh, there was another Nintendo 64 Tetris game called Tetris 64. 
Uh, it only came out in Japan, uh, even though it was developed. When it was developed, it was made completely in English. So why we never got it, don't really know. Um, it's actually the only game to make... Huh? It's not a very dialogue-heavy game. No, it's not, but <laughs> it's weird that they would make a game for Japan audiences only and and put it all put in it English. In. They had to. They had to think they were going to bring it out to the U.S. Something must have happened. Maybe it just wasn't a good game. Uh, it it definitely was different than uh, the new Tetris, uh, which was the the Nintendo sixty four Tetris game that um, all of us got. Um, but this is actually the only game to make use of the Nintendo sixty four's biosensor. If you can remember, uh, was it two or three E threes ago? I can't even remember at this point. The the Wii. Uh, heart monitor that they that Satoru Iwata brought out at E3 and said, yeah, this is going to change things, and then it never came out. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you put it on your finger, it, it um, captures what your pulse is, and uh, for this game, it would, there was a mode uh, called Bio Mode that would actually speed up the game based on your heart rate. So if your heart rate was up because you were losing... Uh, it would just make the game faster. But if you calm yourself down, it would actually slow down the game a little bit. Which, that's just so torturous. Yeah, it definitely There's is. There's something so evil about that. <laughs> I don't know why you ever would do that. Or if you did play bio mode, I guess don't even put on the biosensor or put it on somebody else who's not paying attention, and then it would just always be slow. It's like reading a book. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um so that was that's kind of interesting. There was also a Giga Tetris mode uh, in, in in Tetris 64 where uh, you'd have these big tetrominoes and then they would break into smaller ones, almost kind of like the way Asteroids works. Um, I don't know exactly how that works for clearing lines. It doesn't quite make sense, and I haven't seen any video of this game being played, but uh, it sounds like kind of an interesting mode. Um, there was one Tetris-style game I played for the Nintendo 64. I played it at a friend's place. Uh, it was called Tetris Sphere. It's a compound word, but they take out one of the S's, so you, it's T E T R I S P H E R E. Tetris Sphere. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> um, uh, this game was not Tetris at all. Um, it it took place on a on a big globe. And uh, and the globe would have different blocks missing. It, it actually almost sounds a little bit like Weltris in a way, in that uh, these pieces would be falling from the sky, uh, again, from, from the front of the television to what you would perceive as the back. Uh, and they would, as they fall, you would want to spin the planet, rotate the planet around so they fell into the right uh sections, the right openings, and if you could, I guess, get the layers, uh, line up things on the layers, they would destroy the whole layer. So then the idea was to get to the core of the of the world, and I think there would be some stupid little alien thing that was trapped in the world, and you saved him, and I don't know. That's so, that, I think that sounds really cool, but it, incredibly hard. Uh, it, yeah, because you had to think of what was going around through this whole globe-like feature. Right. Um, it's a lot of three-dimensional space um, with how with how you're trying to 
observe things and perceive where these things go, lining things up that way. Um, I remember it looked really jaggy. It didn't look very good at all. And, uh, and it just, it seemed for as complicated as the actual concept was, they presented it in a very boringly simple way. Um, so it wasn't something I really played much at all, but the times that I did play it, it wasn't super fun. Um, and the last one, the last two that I want to mention, uh, one is Tetris Party. Uh, this one came out for WiiWare uh, not super long ago. Um, I mean, it came out on the Wii. Um, it includes beginner mode. We talked about the beginner modes before, uh, but this one has easier pieces, so smaller smaller pieces that wouldn't be four blocks uh, like all Tetrominoes are supposed to be. Uh, it also had a version that was uh, controlled with the Wii balance board. So you actually use the, that Wii Fit balance board to, to move the pieces side to side or, or flip them. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but uh, that seems like, you know, a thing you do once or twice. Uh, or if you have a party, you would play it that way. Kind of a gimmicky thing, but kind of cool. Uh, the one that I think sounds most interesting is this co-op mode uh, that would have two players playing simultaneously. And they'd be dropping uh, pieces onto a single board. And the board would be doubled the size. But two players are playing at the very same time to make lines. So, you you know, I'm, I'm sure it gets really hectic near the end. But uh, at the beginning, you can kind of coordinate things. Hey, hey so, you've got that square block. Put that over on this left side here. Oh, you have this S block. Uh, this go over here. Uh, and that sounds, that sounds awesome. So can, like, pieces go, like, if, if you and I are playing and you have like a square and I have one of those S shaped ones. Can they go through each other before they fall? I don't know. Like are they invisible? Uh, There's friendly fire on where you're just kind of flanking <laughs> one. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, I think if it uh, didn't allow that collision, that would be uh, even more fascinating. And I'm sure that would lead to a lot of uh, <laughs> fights at the end of, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why right. <laughs> You can grief somebody that way. Uh, either way, sounds like a really cool way to play Tetris. Uh, and it's an, it's an interesting way in that it doesn't change the fundamental, the fundamental things that you think of with Tetris, but it does open up a, a new way of playing it anyway. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. I would totally play that. In fact, I, I kind of want to hook my Wii up just to buy that, play it a couple times, and then never play it again. <laughs> um such a waste. <laughs> it would be such a waste. Um, uh, it also has a, a game called Shadow, where pieces are dropped into a shape, uh, very much like Tetrominoes, but you can't, uh, the pieces can't go outside that shape. Um, so you're, it's kind of, again, kind of like Tangrams or kind of like the original Tetrominoes where you're trying to just uh, fill things with what you can. And then there was another game called Stage Racer. Um, it's very much like... Um, you've played a Mega Man game where you where you drop down into a pit and then you have to avoid spikes. You have to avoid, like, different little floating balls of spikes as you're... Like as you're falling? Yeah. Yeah. So this is very much the same thing. You'd have a piece, a Tetris piece. I, I don't know if it was just a 4 by one or if it was uh, random pieces, but... Um, you would try to, you would just move the block through this tunnel that would have these obstacles of other Tetris blocks, and you didn't want to get it caught on any of them. Uh, so that seems kind of interesting. Um, not really Tetris, but kind of interesting. 
Uh, and then there was a, a one uh, called Dual Spaces, which uh, was a reversey style game. I haven't actually played uh, a game of reversey, but uh, it's the kind of thing where I put my piece here and it changes all the pieces to my color. Okay, you put a piece over here, it changes the pieces around it to your color. And you're trying to um, have the most of your color at the at the very end of the game. Um, so that seems that seems like a really awesome version of Tetris. It's called Tetris Party. It's for WiiWare. Uh, if you want if you want a really nice game of Tetris that you can play uh, just as regular Tetris, or especially having people over to play, that one seems like uh, it's really good for multiplayer stuff. And then the one I played the most, which was Tetris Friends on Facebook. Uh, it, it had the few different modes that we had talked about before: the ultra, the forty lines. Um, it had a it had a challenge mode where you could challenge somebody if they were online at the same time. Uh, you would play Tetris together. I don't think it had any power up features, so it was just who could outlast the other one. Um, and it actually didn't have an endless mode, which or no, it did. It had a classic mode, uh, but it the the main game was. Uh, who could? How many points could ge- could you get before you got to level twenty? And there would be only so many lines that you could clear uh, per level. So there was a perfect score. Uh, no, because uh, don't mean, you level up by how many lines you've erased? Yeah, but you could you would get bonus points for doing different things, like a okay. like a getting a Tetris. Uh, where you clear four lines at the same time, that has a bigger multiplier. Um, and what made it really cool for me is that it had a combo system in that um, if each time a piece dropped down, if you could make it clear a line, it would add to a multiplier. Oh. So I guess my theory was that if you just got a Tetris every single time and got to level 20 that way, that would be a perfect score. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like there are different variations where... Yeah, and that's not going to be possible to get a Tetris every time. Um, so the, the trick, the trick I would do kind of like you talked about with saving, storing, uh, this one had a storage feature as well. So the, the idea that you had of storing that four by one, I just would make this giant block on the left or right side of the screen and leave one column open. And so I've, I've got, you know, 10, 10 to 12 blocks high and it's just filled with blocks. Everything is, is perfectly uh, made in that way. And then I have one of those four by ones stored, and when another four by one comes down, I drop it down into that one column. You get a Tetris, and then whatever the next piece is, I switch it out with my other four by one, and I drop it down for a second Tetris. And you get a big multiplier score because you got a Tetris, and then you comboed it into another Tetris. So that's big points. Uh, it also had this idea of T spins, which is using that that. Uh, T-shaped one, uh, and you would kind of like the the impossible rotations uh, of previous games that they allowed that. Uh, if you could T-spin something into a line uh, and and defeat something like that, th- that was worth extra points. And then if you could, I don't even know how you would coordinate this in your brain. That seems ridiculous to me. But if you could combo T-spins, uh, which took a lot of setup to get because you'd have to find these little crevices where you could actually do them and you wouldn't you couldn't play it in the normal way you'd play Tetris of just trying to clear lines as fast as possible. Um, you it it kind of changed the way you played Tetris a little bit when you got really good at it. Um, 
And then even though it got super ridiculously fast near, uh, like, level 17 to 20, uh, to get, to be able to, to play it at that point and still try to play it for combos uh, was, was really difficult. And you could get some really crazy scores that way. Uh, so I really liked that game. Uh, that was that feels like the version of Tetris that I remember the most. Um, but I wouldn't call it the definitive version. I'd still probably call the Game Boy the definitive version. That's that's the way you play Tetris. Maybe maybe, maybe Tetris DX because it added some other modes that you could play uh, and had the battery save feature and was color and didn't actually change the the rules, but. Game Boy Tetris is Tetris, right? Yeah, that's to me. That's there's like there's nothing else. Yeah, Game Boy Tetris or bust. I mean, I just I can't. It's it's hard for me to like hear about all these modes and be like, yeah, I want to play that when the original is just so good. Yeah, I mean, most of these modes you'd play once and you go, oh, that's an interesting way of playing. Maybe maybe you get a really big score at it, a bigger score than you would be from playing a normal style of Tetris, and so you play it a couple more times. But you got to get the itch, right? You get the itch to go back to the the stuff. You got to get right. the right one, and that's it's Tetris. I mean, it's big leagues, <laughs> playing the minor leagues, and you're playing this. Tetris right? Attack. Yeah, you're not playing these bush league Tetris style games. Fuck that. Um, you, you and your Tetris friends. <laughs> Tetris Friends was was a weird case, and it was more about peer pressure than it was about a really fun game. But um, I I just got into it anyway. Um, there are actually some really cool things about Tetris outside of of just the game itself. I, I think it's a really well crafted game. Um, many people would even argue to say it's a perfect game, just in the way that uh, we're still playing it now with the same enthusiasm we were playing it in in the 80s. Um, but there, there are some other things about Tetris. Uh, do you want to talk about the Tetris effect a little bit, Pierce? Yes. Um, so this is something I've personally experienced, and Chase, I'm sure you have experienced it, maybe not with Tetris, but with nope. another game. I've experienced this with Tetris during, okay. during those college years. It happened multiple times. Yep. So the Tetris effect is this phenomenon that affects um, people who have played Tetris for extended periods of time where they begin to see the patterns when they like close their eyes or they're um, dreaming at night or something like that. And it's fascinating me because I remember playing for a long, long stretch of time and then trying to go to bed at night and you, you just can't because you still feel like you're moving. It's almost like you're drunk yep. and like the bed's swaying or something like that because you can still see the blocks falling down. And you're, like, switching them in your mind. And it's kind of, I was looking up the Wikipedia page, and they, they compare it to, like, sea legs or something similar to that, where it is just, like, this affliction of the mind, if only temporarily. And later on, when I, like, stopped playing Tetris, I think it's only happened to me, like, once or twice. It happened to me with Forza, and maybe that's happened with you, where you just kind of see the track <laughs> okay. in your dreams. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of scary. And, like, it it's almost like a... I don't want to say it's like a rock-bottom moment, but it's kind of like you're an alcoholic. You're like a tetrasaholic, and this is like your, your drunken night in the gutter. Sure. Or something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a funny 
pejorative way to look at it. I, I think of it more as almost like burn-in for a plasma TV. Yeah, yeah. It's just you've been playing it so much that yeah, it's still fucking there, man. Uh, you might be playing something else. You might be trying to go to sleep. It, it might be off, but it's not really off because it's still, it's still in there. Tetris never sleeps. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody has seen the movie A Beautiful Mind, uh, they might they might understand kind of what the Tetris effect is. Uh, and that's one part of the Tetris effect. I mean, that's the, the uh, most common part. But um, the Tetris effect uh, has been classified as a hallucination in that sense of you actually are seeing these, these blocks that aren't there. Um, but uh, another kind of minor Tetris effect uh, thing, it, it might just be called the Tetris effect, even though it's not specifically what it is. Uh, but the idea of just kind of um, using those patterns in real life um, in in something like packing. Like, if, I, I know there's a Simpsons episode where, where Homer is packing the car, and I guess he's just played Tetris. So he packs things in blocks into the back of the station wagon and, <laughs> and just packs it in that way. And then actually the, the joke would be that he takes his own kids, Barton, Barton and Lisa, and puts them into Tetris shapes uh, and stacks them into the car in the right way um, just to make it all fit. Uh, but that, I mean, that's totally happened to me where you, where you just, you know, yeah, this, this thing is, is, you know, two units high, so it should go here. And this thing is a one more like a one by one, so it can go over there. And uh, it's, and that that effect has definitely happened to me. It's just kind of a way you perceive the world. So it's it's still kind of Tetris effect, even though it's not the not the literal. It's almost. I mean, it's an, like improvement on your daily life if you if it does branch out into sure. that areas. Yeah. If you can become, become a, a more better packer. packer and more more organized that way, that's that's a uh, good. I guess it's easier. Um, and I mean, the Tetris effect. I, I wouldn't call it detrimental to anybody. I don't think anybody's died from the Tetris effect. Uh, oh, being on Tetris. <laughs> but it's, it's not a, it's not, it's not really a, a great side effect. It's not, it's not going to help you out with anything. We, we did talk about, I guess, how it could help you with your organizational skills. Uh, but there are some really good parts to Tetris too. One of them, uh, there was a January, 2009 study, uh, done by Oxford, Oxford university, uh, where they found that people who played Tetris, uh, they reduced the amount of flashbacks they had if they had suffered a recent trauma. Um, and it, it severely reduced them from somebody who, the control group, who, who didn't have any uh, sort of coping mechanism like, like a game of Tetris. And we talked about it a little bit before the podcast. We're sure that's not solely on Tetris. Uh, I'm sure that's something right. that could happen with any kind of uh, abstract game that just completely takes your mind off of what you're what you're really thinking about. Uh, but something to mention that they, they use Tetris here, and they probably use Tetris because it was such a popular example. Uh, and it's a cool it's a cool thing uh, that that you can just um, change your psychology that way uh, because of a, a video game. So video games do good things. This is my is my uh, conclusion. I'm sure all of the people listening to this podcast disagree with you right now. <laughs> you know, shooters, shooters get that, uh, get, you know, upgrade your perception and your reflex skills and all that. And 
some of that bullshit. You know, it, it seems like uh, it seems like anybody who's kind of in the video game industry will uh, champion those things as much as possible. That hand-eye coordination bullshit, just as much as anybody in popular media will go, "Oh, GTA is making us kill hookers in real life." And yeah, it's it's just sensationalism on either side. But you can find research to back up any. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are enough doctors out there that they'll agree with anything that you say. Um, but I think that's kind of it. Uh, we've we managed to talk about Tetris for a full hour, uh, which I yeah. didn't think was possible, uh, which is why I didn't want to do this episode in the first place. You what have such we, little faith. What are we going to fucking talk about? It's Tetris. Uh, well, all the variations are... There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, definitely. There have been so many ripoffs, and we just got into... I guess more of the official variants. All of those had Tetris. Like, right, we didn't even talk about these Flash games that I, apparently I've been playing. <laughs> yeah, you've been playing these back alley. Yeah, just like the underbelly of society. They have these illegal games of Tetris that yeah. I play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pierce, would you, uh, I mean, is there a place where the internet can find you, your Twitter or something that you'd like to give out to anybody who, sure. uh, who likes what Pierce is laying down and wants to hear more? I uh, I do have a Twitter. That's about the only social form of social media that I'm active on. It's at PJ Corshane. That's C O U R C H A I N E. Uh, yeah, I tweet about just about everything. Yeah, and some video games, some music, some books. Uh, a lot about Michigan sports. Yep. Yeah. Um, a lot about Mizzou sports. Mizzou, and yeah, Mizzou sports too. I think it's also important to plug that. Um, that episode of Life Well Wasted, um, where they kind of go into Tetris about the creation. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's episode six. Uh, I will look it up on my iTunes here. Uh, I would I would suggest that if you are I mean, a human being, you listen, listen to all to of a Life every well episode of a Life Well Wasted. Yeah, um, but if you're specifically interested in the creation of Tetris and the history behind it and, and the impact it has had on all the companies involved, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember which one. I will. I will look that up and put it into the show notes uh, specifically. Um, but yeah, all of those episodes of A Life Well Wasted are that, that is an amazing podcast, and I I wish Robert Ashley the best in his music career. But man, that dude should make some more podcasts because those should. are the best. It was. I just looked it up. It's uh, episode six. Big ideas. Okay, big ideas. Um, so yeah, thank you for making my life easier. It will no. It will no longer be in the show notes. We've talked about it here. <laughs> You have to listen to this episode Just in order to get to this it, nugget. Um, all right. Uh, well, let me plug the, the show stuff real quick, if I can remember it. Um, we have the URL gamersonthego.com now, so you can go there. It will uh, take you back to the Tumblr, uh, so I don't have to give you the Tumblr dash dot whatever blah blah crap. Just go to gamersonthego.com, and you'll, you'll get to where you need to go. Uh, Facebook.com slash gamersonthego. Oh, and actually, it might be GOTG podcast. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> just type it into the Google. Yeah, you know, yeah, actually, you know, if you Google Gamers on the Go, we are definitely on the first page, and I think we're pretty close to the top. Um, and Twitter is definitely GOTG podcast, uh, so you can tweet to the show there. Uh, use the Tumblr if you want to suggest a game that uh, you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. Um, and then our email is gotgpodcast at gmail.com. So if you want to send in something by email instead, you are free to do so. 
Do you uh, have a physical address I can send you letters? <laughs> uh, I have a physical address. <laughs> I don't know if I I'm want joking. to give that away. I'm joking, Chase. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand that was a joke, but I was going to take it as far as you wanted me to take it. Um, uh, like, like most times, I don't know what the next show is going to be. Uh, I've got some, uh, talks with some different people. Uh, I've been trying to put together a game, a uh, game of the year show with, uh, some of our old guests and, uh, and talk about, uh, this year for handheld games. It's been a great year. It's going to continue to be a great year. Uh, tonight, today, right now it's uh, November 21st. Uh, so we're just about to get two really cool games coming out uh, tomorrow in Tearaway for the PlayStation Vita and uh, A Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds for the Nintendo 3DS. Um, so even though uh, I love my Fire Emblem and I love my Pokemon so far, uh, those two games uh, seem to be strong contenders for, for something we might talk about later. Um, so I'll, I'll let you know more about how that works out and, uh, and who we might be able to get back for that show. But it could be fun, and uh, and I'm gonna try to do that. I think either in December or uh, or early January. We'll see. It depends on uh, work plans and Christmas stuff and and any of that. But um, still still doing episodes for the show here. I, I do have one idea uh, person that I need to talk to again. It's a show that I'm really excited about, and I'm sorry that I'm gonna be so coy on it. Um, I will say that it's a puzzle game, uh, and. You can infer from that that it's not Tetris, um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a game that I'm really excited about, and if I could get uh, this guest on, that would be awesome. So um, until then, I think uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks to you. Thank you, Pierce, for coming on. Uh, second time Thanks on the for show, having and, me. and just getting better. Just getting better with age. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. Absolutely. Uh, Pierce, I hope to have you on again sometime. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.